everybody. I'm back to finish up The Demon Dentist. Um, I hope that you are enjoying this book and not too terrified. And remember, it's fiction, but whew, terrifying fiction it is. Chapter 29, Asleep on the Toilet. Hmm, good chapter name. I've been looking all over town for you, Alfred. Oh, so to recap, what was happening at the end of 28 was that Gabs went into Miss Root's uh, office and um, Alfie was going to go in right behind her and he leaped out of it from behind the tree and someone grabbed him by the back of his coat and lifted him high into the air and that was, yes, you're right, that was Winnie. I've been looking all over for all over town for you, Alfred, said Winnie. The social worker was holding the boy by the back of his coat. The toes of Alfie's shoes just scraped the ground. Put me down, said Alfie angrily. Your poor father's worried sick about you. The big lady placed him back down on the ground, but kept a firm hand on his shoulder. I'm taking you straight home. No, 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 I can't go home. Alfie felt guilty that he had run out without telling Dad where he was going, but it was an emergency. Winnie sighed wearily. Listen, young man, she began, I am not in the best of moods this morning. After your little trick with the coffee revels, I had to sleep on the toilet. Alfie attempted to dismiss the image of that as soon as it took shape in his head. However, the more he tried not to visualize the social worker asleep on the laboratory, laboratory, not the toilet, the more vivid the image became. Look, I have to get into the dentist's surgery, pleaded Alfie. No, 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 scoffed Winnie. First, I'm going to take you home. Then we have a little appointment with your headmaster. I'm going to try and persuade him not to expel you. I don't care if he expels me or not. I have to get in there, shouted Alfie, pointing at the dentist's door. Winnie's eyes narrowed. Try as she might, she couldn't understand this boy at all. Yesterday, the whole town had to chase you all the way there. Now you can't wait to get in. I have to warn this girlfriend of mine. Well, she's not my girlfriend. She's a girl who's a friend. It's okay if she's your girlfriend, mused Winnie. She's not. Sounds like she is, replied the lady with a big grin on her face. She's not, repeated the boy firmly. No, said Winnie, but just to say it really doesn't matter if she's your girlfriend. Alfie was becoming mightily frustrated now. Well, she's definitely 100% not my girlfriend and no returns. The social worker fell silent for a moment before continuing. So this girl, who's a friend of yours, but definitely not your girlfriend, where is she? Gabs, she's gone into the dentist surgery. She called me a scaredy cat for not wanting to go, but I have to warn her about the dentist. Winnie shook her head wearily. That Miss Root seems like such a nice lady. What on earth do you have to warn Gabs about? That the dentist is really... Yes? Alfie knew it to be true, but still felt silly. Saying it, finally he plucked up the courage to finish his sentence. A witch! The social worker looked at Alfie for a long while. Then a smile crept across her face before she burst into hysterical laughter. Ha ha! Witch, you say? Ha 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 ha! Yes, replied Alfie firmly. Ha, 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 when he was still laughing. A witch? That's the nuttiest thing I have ever heard. Well, it's true, he exclaimed. She flies around on this cylinder of laughing gas. That's her broomstick. Ha, ha, laughed Winnie. Next she'll be telling me she has a black cat. White, actually, but it's really evil, replied Alfie. Ha, 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 The lady was wiping away a happy tear from her eye now. Miss Root has become a respected member of the local community, and from what I have heard, is an excellent dentist. Alfie looked right into Winnie's eyes. Really? Then why on earth would she do this to me? With that, he took out his false teeth and showed the social worker exactly what Miss Root had done to him. Winnie gasped and brought a hand up to her mouth in shock. Oh no, she whispered. Miss Root did that to you? Alfie put his teeth back in before answering. Yes, and right now my friend is up there in her surgery. Winnie looked up at the blacked-out windows. At that moment, she heard the whine of a drill and then a blood-curdling scream from inside the surgery. No! cried Winnie. Come on, Alfred, there's no time to lose. Chapter 30. Kneel down before me. Winnie grabbed Alfie's hand, and together they raced up the street toward the surgery. The social worker was a big lady. Being a big lady, when she charged toward the door and slammed her shoulder into it, it started to buckle. After two attempts, she beckoned Alfie to jump onto her back, add a little more ballast. This worked rather well, and on the fourth attempt, the door smashed out of its frame and crashed to the floor. Together, they flew up the stairs and burst into the surgery. Gabs's wrist and ankles were fastened to the dentist's chair, just as Alfie's had been. Miss Root loomed over the little girl, wielding a huge drill. 
Like all her dental tools, the drill looked more like an instrument of medieval torture. It wasn't electric. Instead, her hands circled wildly to make the thick drill bit on the end rotate. It was going so fast it let out a high-pitched scream as it spun. It was so gigantic it looked like it was more suited to digging a hole in the road than in someone's mouth. Get away from her, shouted Winnie. Despite the drama, Alfie couldn't help but smile. Finally, he and his social worker were a team. What is the meaning of this? Oh no, this is Miss Root. What is the meaning of this? proclaimed Miss Root. I said get away from her, repeated the social worker. The dentist pointed the drill toward Winnie and Alfie. Step back, she growled. Let Gabs go, said Alfie. Or what? Or I will write a very strongly worded letter to the British Dental Association, replied Winnie. Help, screamed Gabs, her entire body trembling with fear. Root said she's going to take out every single one of my teeth. Yes, I am, sneered Miss Root. With that, she smiled, burying those two white-to-be-real teeth of hers. She slowly raised her hand and pulled those teeth out of her mouth. They were false all along. Lifting the veneers away, she revealed the true horror underneath. A set of hideous fangs, each one sharper, more jagged, bloodier than the next. They were so gruesome, they would not have looked out of place on a Tyrannosaurus Rex. And none of you can stop me, the dentist continued. You must kneel b down before me, for I am the Tooth Witch. Oh my gosh, she's admitting it. Whew. Chapter 31. Swinging? 31? Did we skip 30? Oh no, that was 30. Whew, okay. Chapter 31. Swinging a cat. Stepping out from behind Winnie, Alfie circled round the back of the Tooth Witch. Now the demonic one was wielding the drill this way and that to keep them both from coming close. From the cabinet behind him, he grabbed a tube of mummy's toothpaste. Fang leaped up onto the counter and launched herself at him, landing on his head. But the cat couldn't stop him squirting the paste straight at the witch's face. Most of it missed and just singed her hair. But as a few flecks of the toxic goo dripped into her black, black eyes, she fell to her knees in pain. The drill fell out of her hands and swirled around on the floor like a snake in the throes of death. Winnie hurried over to the chair and started trying to force open the metal clasps that bound Gabs to it. As she did so, Fang leaped from Alfie's head to Winnie's, the cat's thick white fur now obscuring the woman's face completely. One by one, Fang's razor-sharp claws came out, and the evil beast started digging them deep into Winnie's neck until they drew blood. Hiss, hissed the creature. Ah, screamed the social worker, and I am allergic to cats. Thinking fast, Alfie grabbed hold of the beast's hard and bony tail and with all his strength yanked the cat off the social worker. Alfie had often wondered where the phrase, the room isn't big enough to swing a cat in, originated. Now as he found himself swinging a cat by her tail in a small room, her head skimming the chair, the cupboards, even the walls, Alfie's understanding of the phrase grew. After swinging Fang round and round, the most natural next step seemed to be to let her go, which is exactly what Alfie did. Fang flew through the air, hissing wildly. The beast shot across the room and landed with a smash on the witch's trolley. Crash! And the deadly dental instrument scattered across the room to the floor. Nice one, said Gabs. Thanks, said Alfie. With Winnie nursing her wounds and the witch still rubbing her eyes clear of the last of the toothpaste, Alfie frantically started trying to find the lever to open the metal clasps. You were right, he said breath breathlessly. She is a witch. Duh, replied Gabby. Replied Gabs, you don't say. The sarcastic tone took Alfie by surprise. All right, do you want me to rescue you or not? He asked. Uh, mm, yes, please, said Gabs, adding a hopeful little smile. That one, there. Yes, of course, said Alfie. Hastily, he reached for the lever behind the headrest and yanked on it hard. In an instant, the restraints retracted and Gabs's wrists and ankles were freed. Like a knight in shining armor, Alfie tried to scoop Gabs into his arms, but she was having none of it. I can manage, thank you, said Gabs, dismissively. She swung her legs round and jumped onto the floor. Let's go, said Winnie. Behind them, rubbing her eyes clear of the last of the toothpaste, the tooth witch slowly rose to her feet. Groping behind her with one hand, she grabbed one of the ancient tools still left on the trolley. This one had a long, sharp, spiked hook at the end of it. With her other hand, the witch reached out and grabbed Gabs pulling her violently toward her and held the weapon up to the little girl's throat as she whispered. One step forward and your girlfriend dies. Ooh. 
Winnie and Alfie stood as still and quiet as statues, but the boy couldn't help himself and broke the silence. Just for the record, she's not my girlfriend. Yeah, scoffed Gabs, the hook almost piercing her skin. And if I would go out, as if I would go out with him. <laughs> I can't believe they're focusing on this in this moment. Well, I wouldn't ever in a million years go out with her, agreed Alfie, a little hurt by quite how sure the girl sounded. I want to go out with you if you were the last boy on earth, replied Gabs. This is not the time, shouted the witch. With that, she pulled the girl by her hair and backed over to the silver gas cylinder in the corner of the room. The witch climbed astride it and placed the kicking and screaming Gabs in front of her. Then the witch leaned back and turned the nozzle on the end of the cylinder. Just in time, Fang hopped up behind her and it shot off like a rocket. Oh, the three of them crashed through the blacked out window. Oh my gosh, she really took Gabs. Alfie ran over to see them zoom off up into the sunless sky. A trail of smoke spilled out behind them. Quick, Winnie, shouted Alfie, we have to save Gabs. The pair raced downstairs and leaped onto the social worker's moped. Alfie kept his eyes focused upward, directing Winnie um, after the trail of smoke. They sped through the town, traveling cross-country when necessary, taking shortcuts through back gardens, down alleyways, even through a supermarket. Poor Mrs. Morrissey had only popped in for a tin of spaghetti hoops. <laughs> I think that's SpaghettiOs, but we say i don't even know if people eat those anymore do you have you ever had spaghettios or spaghetti hoops anyway but as the moped roared past she leaped out of the way and i fell headfirst into the ice cream section within moments an absent-minded shelf stacker had stickered her as being on special offer <laughs> oh the older woman fell not um alfie sorry mrs m shouted winnie before exiting through the Five items or less queue to save time. A queue is a line. I'll be round tomorrow afternoon as usual with the meals on wheels. I guess she was her social worker too. As they sped out into the car park, the social worker pulled back on the throttle hard. Hold on tight, she yelled as the pair picked up the trail of black smoke once again. But now it looked like it had come to a stop somewhere just over the brow of the next hill. As they reached the top, Winnie brought the moped to a halt for a moment. Look, shouted Alfie over the hum of the engine. The witch has taken Gabs into the old coal mine. Oh no, said Winnie. There's no way down. Chapter 32, The Lower Depths. For many years, coal mining in the town had been extinct. The mine itself had been boarded up. It stood there, ugly and unloved, in an ocean of its own slurry. To keep trespassers out, a huge metal fence encircled the mine. The fence was topped with a crown of barbed wire. Signs screaming, beware, keep out, danger. Those signs were everywhere. Alfie knew where there was a little hole in the fence. The older kids at school would often talk about it. Strange as it might seem, the old deserted mine had a fascination for many of the local youngsters. At the very least, it was somewhere for them to go of an evening, to drink and smoke and snog away from the prying eyes of grown-ups. Whoosh, my goodness. That, uh, that kind of behavior is, oh, you know. Not appropriate for us, uh, us being you, dear listener. The hole in the fence was child size, not big lady size, so Alfie found it safest for Winnie to try and call through first. However, as soon as she tried to squeeze through, her clothes became caught on the metal edges of the wire. Of the wire, help me, boy! I'm stuck! She shrieked. Alfie surveyed the scene. The social worker did not look at her most dignified. What do you want me to do, he asked. Push, she implored. Alfie took in her position. All he could now see of a social worker were her more than ample buttocks. Where, he asked innocently. My booty. Reluctantly, he placed his hands on Winnie's bum. Push, she cried. Using all his weight, Alfie pushed the woman's bottom, his feet slipping and sliding on the wet mud just outside the wire fence. Nothing. He took a deep breath and made another huge effort. It was a bit like pushing a car. But eventually, Winnie passed through the hole. Unfortunately, her clothes did not. The multicolored jacket, top, and leggings remained hanging at the ends of the cut wire. It took a few moments for Winnie to realize she was now only in her underwear. <laughs> it's suddenly become rather chilly, she muttered to herself at first as she struggled to her feet. Finally, she looked down and saw that she was standing there in her bra and knickers. The bra was... <laughs> so silly. I don't know why they keep talking about how big her body is. Who cares? The bra was quite the biggest Alfie had ever seen. It looked like it could comfortably hold two footballs and was bright orange. Hmm, that sounds nice. Uh, the knickers that might have doubled as a child's play tent were a shocking shade of pink. 
Oh, my, Winnie cried. The poor lady looked dreadfully embarrassed. As fast as he could, Alfie untangled Winnie's clothes from the fence. To respect her modesty, he turned his head away as he passed the now-torn garments through the hole. Oh, thank you, young Alfred, said Winnie as she snatched them from him. Alfie didn't turn, didn't turn his head back until all the grunting and groaning as she struggled to put the dress back on had stopped. The social worker gave a deep sigh of relief before telling Alfie, not a word of that to anyone, please. Of course not, Winnie, said Alfie, not sure he would quite be able to keep it secret forever. I wasn't wearing magic underwear today, she exclaimed. Oh, the shame of it. <laughs> From where they stood, the pair could just see how the now dispersing trail of smoke ended exactly at the entrance to the mine. At the opening rested a huge metal cage, which itself housed a giant lift. In its long days as a working mine, the lift would have taken Alfie's dad and all the other miners deep underground. Hundreds of meters down in the dark tunnels, they would do their arduous work. Once upon a time, coal was the country's main source of energy. So for hours upon hours, the miners would work, dig, and chisel, and drill to bring chunks of the mineral to the surface. That was how Dad developed the terrible problem with his breathing. Over the years, all that dust from drilling the coal had become embedded in his lungs. The witch must have taken Gab straight down there, said Alfie as they reached across the rubble to the mine entrance. My dad told me there was only one way down, in the lift. We have to go after them. Winnie held onto Alfie's hand to steady himself, to steady herself. It wasn't easy on such loose ground in wedges. Wedges are like high heels. Alfred, you're not going nowhere. What? asked Alfie. He hadn't come all this way for nothing. An old deserted mine, Winnie exclaimed. No, 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 it's far too dangerous. And as your social worker, I have a duty of care. Alfie couldn't hide his frustration as they finally reached the huge metal cage that housed the lift. But if we don't go after the tooth witch now, who knows what she will do to Gabs? He traced his hand over the old controls that were caked in a decade of grime, searching for a button that might bring the lift up to the surface. Come away from there, shouted Winnie, this instant. Like most kids being told not to do something, Alfie pretended not to hear. Eventually, he found the large green button which must call the lift. Jamming his finger on it, he pressed and pressed again, but the lift didn't make a sound. The power must have been cut off when the mine closed all those years before. See, said Winnie, there's no way down. Now the best thing we can do is wait here while I call the police for help. She fumbled in her lime green handbag for her phone. That PC plank is useless, said Alfie. We need to rescue Gabs now. Using all his might, he slammed ajar the huge rusty metal door that opened onto the light shaft, onto the lift shaft. He peered down into the blackness. For all he could see, it could, could go down for miles. Alfie picked up a small discarded piece of coal and dropped it. In his head, he counted how many seconds until he heard the thud of it hitting the bottom. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. It must be hundreds of meters down. Come away from the edge, boy, shouted Winnie, pulling him back sharply by his hand. Alfie shook her away and took several paces back from the shaft. Oh, thank goodness, said Winnie with a relieved sigh. Little did she know that Alfie was actually taking a run-up. As the social worker was busy tapping a number into her phone, Alfie ripped out the insides of his trouser pockets and put them over his hands to make into makeshift gloves. Oh, wow. It's ringing, announced Winnie as she held the phone to her ear. Just then, Alfie sprinted forward as fast as he could, took a running jump at the thick metal lift cable that was suspended from the top to the bottom of the shaft. It was greasier than he anticipated. At first, Alfie panicked. He couldn't get a grip started sliding down it nearly as fast as if he were falling. For a moment, he thought his short life might be over. Ah! cried Alfie. No! cried Winnie. As swiftly as he could, while Alfie wrapped his legs around the cable and squeezed tight. Thankfully, this slowed him to a stop. Using his hands, little by little, he lowered himself into the mine. Come back! yelled Winnie. Her voice echoed deep into the mine shaft. It was too late. Alfie had disappeared into the dark depths below. Chapter 33. Ooh, get ready for this chapter title. This is a little bit of foreshadowing of what's about to happen. A Cathedral of Teeth. Really? Seriously? She's building? A cathedral is like a big, giant, giant, like, church or something. Okay. Above him, Alfie could see the square of daylight at the top of the shaft becoming smaller and smaller and smaller. As he slid further and further down, it eventually became nothing more than a tiny speck, no larger than a star in the sky. Now he was hundreds of meters underground. 
The muscles in his arms were tiring fast. There was no way he would ever be able to pull himself all the way back up. The only way was down. Eventually, his feet touched something below him, even though it was so dark. Though it was so dark for the life of him, Alfie couldn't see what it was. It was it was blacker than black at the bottom of the mine shaft. This is how dark it was. And then the next two pages, guess what color they are? Yep, they're black. No words on them. <laughs> Despite it being pitch black, Alfie guessed that his feet must have touched down on the top of the lift car. No doubt it had been abandoned far underground and left to rot like everything else in the deserted mine. Stamping his feet up and down, Alfie heard the rattle of the metal telling him he was right. Groping with his hands, he eventually found what had to be an escape hatch on top of the lift, opened it, and leaped down inside. Pushing another huge metal cage door aside, Alfie noticed that far off in the distance there was a glimmer of dim yellow light. Immediately, he could make out a few blurred lines among the shadows. Stepping out, Alfie could feel the cold stone beneath his feet. He was in one of the hundreds of mile of mine tunnels now. There were train tracks running along it. In fact, there were miles and miles of such tracks down here. The miners would have traveled along them to do their work and send the mountains of coal back in the mine cars. It was essentially a miniature railway line. With the whole place deserted, they seemed more like the tracks for a ghost train. The far end of the tunnel, light was flickering. Alfie walked toward it. Alfie walked toward it slowly and silently. As he grew closer and shadows danced on the damp walls, he realized this was not electric light, but candlelight. At last, he reached the tunnel end and realized it opened out into a well-lit cave. He peered in. Nothing could prepare Alfie for what he saw. The cave was vast. It seemed to go on forever. Thousands and thousands of candles illuminated the space. At first glance, there was no sign of Gabs or the witch and her cat. Dominating the cave was an impossibly long table, but there were no chairs around it. It was white and looked more like an altar you would see in a church. A plate and a number of goblets adorned the table, all of them white. There was a huge white chandelier hanging down from the ceiling. It held hundreds upon hundreds of candles. On the wall, there were mosaics in the shape of what looked like prehistoric letters, or some kind of code. Alfie had seen something similar in pictures of the pyramid tombs of ancient Egypt, called hieroglyphics. On one side of the cave sat a huge, imposing throne. This again was white. The throne looked big enough, even for a giant. It was so tall it reached the ceiling of the cavern. Was this some kind of temple or tomb or simply a way of beating skyrocketing house prices? Tentatively, Alfie stepped inside the cave. He had to find Gabs and get out of there fast. Running his fingers along one of the mosaics on the walls, looking for any secret doorways, Alfie realized the surface was surprisingly sharp. He cut the tip of one finger open on a particularly sharp bit, drawing blood, but managed to stifle his gasps just in time. With the blood dripping from his hand, Alfie carefully made his way to the impossibly long table and peered underneath it, taking a closer look at the tabletop. Okay, people, what do you think this is all made of? Mm-hmm. What? Wait, you think it's made of teeth? Seriously? Yeah, that's what I think, too. Okay. Taking a closer look at the tabletop, he realized the whole thing was made of thousands of tiny fragments. What were they? Very gently, he touched it. Like the mosaics, it felt uneven and jagged. He picked up the goblet and held it close to his face, examining it in the candlelight. This, too, was made of countless tiny pieces. Excuse me. Studying it, he finally realized what he was looking at. The goblet was made up of hundreds of teeth. Alfie dropped it in horror, and it smashed to the ground. Bending down, he picked up some of the little pieces. All of them were teeth. Children's teeth. Just like everything else in the cave, the table, the, the throne, the chandelier, the goblet, everything was made entirely of teeth. The cave was a cathedral of teeth. A cathedral. <laughs> Alfie wanted to scream at the realization but covered his mouth just in time. How many children in how many towns had suffered just like Alfie to furnish the witch's lair? It must have been thousands, tens of thousands even. Over many years, perhaps even centuries. Blinking, Alfie looked to the far side of the cave where it was deepest in shadow. Squatting there was a huge sooty cauldron, as wide as a paddling pool, but much deeper. As he tiptoed over, Alfie realized the cauldron was full of some foul-smelling, thick yellow gunk. A fire was raging underneath. The tooth, tooth witch 
was evidently cooking up her special toothpaste mix. Just then, Alfie thought he saw something moving in the shadows and looked up. Directly above the cauldron, a girl was chained by shackles of teeth to stem some stalactites hanging down from the ceiling of the cave. Gabs, he said. Alfie, is that you? She whispered. I couldn't make you out of the dark. I thought you might be the tooth witch coming back. No, no, it's me, he said, drawing closer. I'm here to rescue you. Well, you took your time, she replied. Sorry, it's just... Alfie spluttered before realizing he was getting really quite annoyed with her never-ending sarcasm. Look, do you want to be rescued or not? Shh, hushed Gabs. Keep your voice down. The witch can't be far away. Okay, okay, whispered Alfie. How am I going to get up there to untie you? Okay, the next picture, which you could probably do your own version of, is a giant cauldron on um, on a bed of flames, and there is Gabs, a child, um, hanging right above the cauldron. And here we have a um, we have a recipe for Mummy's special toothpaste. Are you ready? Ugh. All right. If you don't want to be disgusted, fast forward about 30 seconds. Okay, here's your last chance. I'm telling you, it's nasty. Cat sick. That's cat puke. Wart shavings. Bat snot. Old man's earwax. Pus from a septic boil. Verrucas, which I still don't know what they are. Uh, spider's legs. Snake poop. Belly button fluff. Cockroach eggs. Nostril hair, poached lizards, slug juice, rabbit droppings, foot cheese, ew, frog phlegm, dried scab, and revels coffee. <laughs> See if you can drag that throne over here, she suggested. Well, it looks heavy. Well, the witch managed it. Yes, but she's a witch and has magical powers. Um, let's see. Gabs gave him a stare, and he realized there was no point arguing. Alfie plodded over to the throne. At first he tried to rock it, but it wouldn't move. Then he put his shoulder up against it, but it just wouldn't budge. I better run to the bottom of the light shaft and call up for help, he whispered. Stay right there. Gabs rolled her eyes. Well, where else do you think I'd be going to? Alfie tiptoed back to the opening of the cave, but just as he reached it, he let out a scream. Arrgh! The witch's eyes were staring right into his, though her face was upside down. For a moment, Alfie was so disoriented, he didn't know what was happening. Then he looked up to see she was hanging from the ceiling like a bat. In her arms, she held her cat, Fang, who hissed violently at him. In that disturbing sing-song voice of hers, the witch said, Now be a good boy, Alfie. Come to mummy. Oh, my goodness. Chapter 34. Look to the skies. I knew you would come after us, announced the tooth witch in a superior manner. As she spoke, Fang wrapped her tail around her mistress's legs. You just had to save your little girlfriend. I told you before she's not my girlfriend, replied the boy. Now Alfie was himself chained to the, chained to the stalactites next to Gab's. His wrists and ankles were bound by the same manacles made entirely of teeth. They're actually biting into his skin. It was as if the witch were a spider, and he and Gabs were nothing more than flies caught in her web. Of course, spiders are in no hurry to eat the flies they catch. They like to watch them suffer. The tooth witch was no different. Well done on your rescue plan, said Gabs. You see, Gab, that's why I would never go out with you, replied Alfie. You were quite pretty, but you were actually really annoying. You're the annoying one, replied Gabs. Silence, the pair of you, demanded the witch. You're both annoying getting in the way of my plan to steal all the children of the town's teeth. Before you boil us, or whatever it is you're going to do, began Gabs, I would just like to know. Yes, Gabriella, dearest, <laughs> the witch sneered. What's a tooth witch? asked the girl. Yes, tell us, implored Alfie. Prove to us you're real. Still you don't believe, laughed the witch. How old are you, boy, eleven? No, I'm twelve, said Alfie indignantly. You look younger. He's quite short for his age, agreed Gabs. I'm actually twelve and a half, nearly thirteen, Alfie snapped. Well, children around your age, continued the witch. Twelve and a half, nearly thirteen, you think you know it all. You suppose you're too grown up for stories and myths and legends. You don't want to believe in them anymore. That's why children like you are the easiest to catch. All right, all right, replied Alfie, but what's so special about teeth? 
The witch's deep black eyes came flickering to life. I covet them like diamonds or rubies. I've collected them for centuries from all over the world, moving on from place to place. Now I have settled here and will not rest until every single child's tooth in this town is mine. The tooth witch reached into her pocket and held one up to the candlelight. Rotten and decayed ones like yours, Alfie, are the most beautiful. Look at this one. It's perfection with its gorgeous little nooks and crannies. Look how the light dances on its surface. You're nuts, exclaimed Gabs. That'll really help, muttered Alfie. The witch's eyes narrowed. If it's nuts to desire teeth, why do the tooth fairies want them so much? But tooth fairies aren't real, protested the boy. The witch smiled. Oh, yes, they are. Annoying little do-gooders flapping all over the place. I think I managed to capture most of the ones flying around this town. They make a tasty treat for Fang here. Oh, my goodness. The cat licked her lips. Okay, so witches and fairies are real. What else, mused Gabs? What about Father Christmas? Father Christmas is uh, Santa. Alfie laughed at her. Gabs, he's not real. Oh, yes, he's real, all right, replied the witch. Yes, said Gabby tr Gabs triumphantly. I win. Father Christmas is actually quite a tiresome old codger, continued the witch, going around wishing everyone happy Christmas all the time. And all those mince pies give him a very bad wind. Just don't stand behind him when he bends over to fill a stocking. Alfie didn't want his dying thought to be Father Christmas farting, so he quickly moved on. But why do you need so many teeth, he asked. So I can build my witch's lair. Every day I need more and more. I have big plans. The witch became quite animated now. See that wall? The pair nodded. Well, I'm going to knock through there and have an extension built so I can have one big open living space. Alfie and Gab shared a look. They couldn't believe they were chained to the ceiling of a cave, listening to a witch's rather tedious home improvement plans. You know, collecting the teeth has become so easy, the witch continued. Years ago, witches like me were caught and drowned in rivers or burned at the stake. But children nowadays don't believe in magic. They're forever watching television and playing computer games. They never look to the skies anymore. If they did, they would see my cat and me flying around about the town at night, going from house to house. Fang here can smell a fresh tooth from miles away. The cat hissed in agreement. Then we fly down to the child's bedroom um, window and without a sound fly in and snatch the tooth but why leave those horrible little calling cards behind asked gabs she means like the gross stuff that she that got left oh, excuse me. under their pillows the witch smiled her pointy fangs glistened in the, the candlelight because child i am evil pure ad unadulterated evil that's the really fun part. I put so much effort into those little gifts for the children. Finding the largest cockroach, flattening the toads with a mallet, keeping the pig's eyeballs warm so they were still squirming. You're sick, shouted Al Alfie angrily. Thank you, and don't forget Twisted. Now, as much as I love compliments, I'm beginning to tire of our conversation. Rather, the pair gulped in unison. What are you going to do to us? ventured Gabs. This cauldron is where I boil up Mummy's special toothpaste. That stuff burns through stone, said Alfie. Yes, the acid in there can destroy anything in its pass in its path. If I dunk you both in just for the right amount of time If you dunk us in, then what? asked Gabs nervously. It will strip your flesh clean off of you. The tooth witch was savoring her words as she spoke as you and I might savor a particularly delicious flavor of ice cream. And all that will be left of you will be your bones. Whew. Chapter 35. Feasting on Bones. It is sure to be a slow, agonizing death, children, expounded the witch. Exactly how I like them. Then I'm going to feast on your bones. She looked down at her trusty white cat. Guess what you're having for tea, too, Fang? The beast's ears pricked up, and she gazed into her mistress's eyes. That's right, yummy, scrummy children's bones. Fang purred loudly. Far off in the distance, Alfie heard an echo. 
The cat turned her head and hissed. The tooth witch cocked her head suspiciously and then quickened her pace. With her superhuman strength, she dragged the huge, heavy throne of teeth into position. Next, she climbed up to stand on the seat and started unfastening the chains that bound the children's wrists. Both were now trembling uncontrollably with fear. I'm going to drop you in the cauldron together, announced the witch, so you can hear each other's screams as you die. Just to say, I don't mind if you put him in before me, uttered Cabs, attempting a little humor to try and lighten the situation. Isn't it ladies first, said Alfie? Within moments, the witch had untied their wrists. Now the pair were hanging upside down with the nasty, bubbling yellow gloop lapping at their heels, uh, at their heads. Oh yeah, because they're head down. The noxious stench was so foul, Alfie and Gabs could hardly breathe. Please, 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 I beg you, appealed Alfie. You can boil me, but let Gabs go free. She's not done anything wrong. It was no use. The witch was not for turning. Meaning, like, she's not going to change her mind. <clears throat> Human emotion. How pitiful, she muttered as she dragged the throne a few paces and climbed up it again. Now the witch was busying herself unfastening the children's ankles. Don't worry, children. Mummy's nearly there. It shouldn't be too long now, chirped the witch. Alfie's left leg swung free and his whole body dropped down farther. His hair was now touching the toxic goo below, the acid burning the ends. Far off, within the depths of the mine, there was a definite sound of something rattling. The witch was struggling with the boy's final manacle. It's all very well making everything out of teeth, but it does make things fiddly. Now Fang started to help her mistress, leaping onto her shoulder and nibbling at the binds with her sharp teeth. Any moment now, Alfie was to meet his end. But looking out into the tunnel that led to the cave, Alfie could just see something traveling fast toward them on the ceiling. In a flash, he realized it wasn't on the ceiling. It was upside down. It was on the ground. A train. A train was coming right toward them. Hanging there like sides of meat at the butchers, Alfie gave Gabs a look, urging her to stay silent. He didn't want to want them to give the game away to the tooth witch. As the train sped toward them, the boy smiled. At the front of it, driving the engine, was a welcome face. Dad. Chapter 36. Driving Out Screams. As the clatter of the locomotive became louder, the tooth witch turned her head. A curse upon you, she whispered, for her, before hurrying the pace of her wickedness. Her long spindly fingers and fang-sharp fang teeth raced to unfasten the boy's final shackle and plunge him headfirst into the cauldron. As Alfie peered down, he realized he only had seconds to go until he became a skeleton. The train sped through the entrance of the cave and careened along its tracks, heading straight for the witch. Just as the evildoer had managed to release Alfie's bonds, there was a huge crash, bang, wallop. The locomotive plowed right into the throne. The tooth witch lost her balance, and she and her feline beast plunged into Mummy's special toothpick mix. Ah! screamed the witch. Hiss! hissed the cat. Within moments, both had sunk below the surface, the yellow goo drowning out their screams. Much to his surprise, Alfie was still alive. Gabs had managed to grab his ankle just in time. Now rocking her body back and forth, she swung him clear of the cauldron. It was as if they were a trapeze act at the circus. As Alfie flew through the air, his dad was just able to grab his wrist and yank him to the safety of the train. Opening his eyes, Alfie was now clinging by his fingertips to the front of it. Then he turned and looked forward. At that moment, he realized he wasn't safe yet. The train was heading at speed. Slap, bang, into the wall of the cave. Dad, yelled the boy, the brakes! Alfie's father heaved the brake leather up, and with a huge screech, the train came to a sudden stop, with Alfie less than a gnat's hair from the rocks. Thanks, sighed the dad. That's what da the dads are for, sputtered his father breathlessly. All the dirt and dust in the cave was no good for his lungs. The doctors had told them never to go back down a mine, that just one more lungful of coal dust could prove fatal. But right now, Dad could only think about one thing, saving his son. Dad, you killed the tooth witch and the cat, exclaimed Alfie. Well, in a day's work, he joked. 
how did you know I was down here? Winnie called me. She'd guess I'd be the only one who knew their way around the mine, and now the whole town is on its way. Good old Winnie, said the boy. Ha-hum, Gabs coughed theatrically. Oh, yes, said Alfie. Sorry, Gabs. Now, as much as I normally love hanging upside down over a boiling witch's cauldron, I was wondering whether you would untie me. Dad stared at her. Who's this son, your girlfriend? No, for the last time, she is not my girlfriend, exclaimed Alfie. All right, replied Dad, coughing quite badly now. I only asked. Okay, so this is interesting because everyone's assuming, maybe I already said this in an earlier one, um, but they're all assuming like Alfie likes girls and Winnie likes boys and that they want to be girlfriend and boyfriend. And then when they tell them no, they they just do it again and again. And it's just a lot of assumptions they're making. With all his might, he pulled a handle on the engine. Slowly and surely, the train reversed along the tracks to stop beside the cauldron. Alfie leaped, Alfie leaped off the front and onto the top of the engine. From there, he stood on his tiptoes and untied the last of Gabs' manacles. There was a distinctly awkward moment where Alfie found himself holding the girl, who was definitely not his girlfriend, upside down by her ankles. However, Dad leaned out and pulled her onto the train. Gabs jumped down, landing on a sack that was sitting in the car behind. Careful, wheezed Dad. Why, asked Gabs. That's dynamite, he replied. Cool, said the girl. Alfie knew all about how dynamite was used in coal mines. His father had told him many times about how he often needed to blast away hard rock to get to the coal behind. Gabs's face lit up with an idea. Let's use the dynamite to seal the cave behind us. The witch is dead, replied Alfie. Let's just get out of here. And they were just about to do that when... Look, screamed the girl. Behind them, was the tooth witch and her cat were rising up out of the cauldron. All their skin and flesh had burned away. Now they were both just skeletons. Skeletons standing on their bony feet and coming right after them. Fast. The skeletons were marching right toward them. Oh, this is chapter 37. Skeletons on the march. The cat won a few paces behind, her long, thin tailbone standing on end. There's no stopping her. Quick, let's go, yelled Dad. Dad yanked the lever and the train sped backward out of the cave. Gab started rummaging through the sack. What are you doing, said Alfie. Grabbing the dynamite so we can seal her in, replied Gabs. Now see if you can find a lighter or something. Alfie looked under another sack and found a tin housing some ancient matches, then lit the dynamite with shaking hands. Be careful, you two, shouted Dad at the pair. Don't throw it until I tell you, barked the boy. They both stared nervously at the stick on the fuse burned down. Just before the train reached the cave entrance, Alfie, Alfie yelled, Now! The girl threw the dynamite stick into the air and it exploded, bringing huge rocks crashing to the ground behind them. A gigantic cloud of dust and debris filled the tunnel. We did it, cheered Alfie. Now the train was traveling along the central tunnel at speed. They were heading toward the lift that would take them above ground and to safety. And for a while, all that the three could hear was the rattle and hum of the train. Then out of the shadows, Dad spotted something. No, he cried. The kids turned around and saw the two skeletons, one human and one animal, zooming after the tunnel, zooming after them through the tunnel on the gas cylinder. Mommy's going to get you, screamed the witch skeleton. Dad, make this thing go faster, shouted Alfie. It won't go any faster, spluttered Dad. With the cylinder catching up with the train, Fang's skeleton was taking clawed swipes at Dad, who was desperately ducking out of the way. The witch's skeleton cackled as what was left of her cat scratched the man's head viciously. Gabs held the second stick of dynamite when Alfie lit the fuse. Let me throw it this time, he said. Now, she shouted. Alfie hurled it at the evil duo hovering just behind them. The explosion threw the pair off balance, but it wasn't enough to stop them dead. Their bones rattled as they scrabbled to stay on the cylinder. We've only got one more stick of dynamite. The cat's skeleton leaped off the cylinder and landed with claws drawn on Dad's head. She clawed her way over him until her bum bone was sticking right in front of the poor man's nose. Ah! yelled Dad as the beast sank her fangs into his arm. In pain, his hand shot up off the train throttle, causing the engine to begin to shudder to a halt. Alfie had lit the fuse on the last stick of dynamite that Gabs was having. Just as she was ready to throw it, 
There was a squeal of brakes as the train stopped dead. The stick of dynamite slipped out of Gabs's grasp and in and dropped into the car. The fuse was burning down fast. Any moment now, it was going to explode. Chapter 38. Mummy's going to eat you. Whoa. Oh my goodness. Everything is about to explode. I can't believe it. I think I need to drink a little water. I'll be right back. Chapter 38. Mummy's going to eat you. Gabs, jump! shouted Alfie. The girl leaped out of the train car. Then the boy vaulted over to his father and pulled him clear of the engine just as the dynamite exploded. Rocks fell from the roof of the tunnel, crashing down on top of them. Cat Skeleton retreated to her bony mistress, who had fallen off her laughing gas cylinder some way back down the tunnel. Because of the explosion, the cylinder had sprung a leak. It was hissing on the ground, its sweet-smelling gas filling the mine. Out of the dust storm behind him, Alfie could see the outline of the witch skeleton rising to her feet. The train was now a mangled wreck, and the lift still a long way off. Dad was buried under a mountain of rocks. They had crushed whatever strength he had left in him. Run! <laughs> Boy! gasped Dad as Alfie furiously rolled the rocks off his father's body. Ha <laughs> ha! Save yourself! Why am I <laughs> laughing? This isn't funny! <laughs> It must be the <laughs> laughing <laughs> gas, replied the boy. I'm laughing <laughs> too. Dad, I am not going to leave you <laughs> down here. <laughs> Come on, Gabs, help me. <laughs> Grab an arm. <laughs> <laughs> the kids began to heave Alfie's father down the tunnel. I'm <laughs> too <laughs> heavy, wheezed Dad. His breath, his breathing was rattling in his chest now. Leave me. <laughs> Never. <laughs> replied Alfie, and together he and Gabs hauled Dad along the track closer and closer to the lift. Ha ha ha, Mummy's coming to get you, laughed the witch skeleton, her bones rattling as her shoulders shook. Even what was left of Fang couldn't stop snickering. With her superhuman strength, the witch skeleton pushed the train and its puny cars aside. Alfie and Gabs started running as fast as they could along the track, dragging Dad behind. Finally, they reached the lift. The man's wheelchair was laying discarded by the metal door where he must have left it. The three tumbled into the lift, and with all his might, Alfie slammed the door shut behind them. The two skeletons had caught up with them now, and soon the bones of their hands and paws were rattling on the door, frantically trying to force it open. How did you get the lift working? pleaded Alfie. You just have to connect those two loose wires, wheezed Dad, then pull the top handle. Gabs brought the wires together as Alfie tugged at the lever. The lift shuddered into life. It traveled upward at speed, leaving the evil twosome below. Alfie sighed with relief. Dad, we're going to make it. But any relief was short-lived because the skeletons were now clinging on to the caged floor of the lift as it made its ascent. Suddenly, the witch skeleton's long finger bones twisted through the holes in the floor and grabbed at the children's feet. Man, this woman, whew. A battered and bruised dad crawled across the floor of the lift. With all the strength he had left in his body, he tried to beat the witch skeleton's hands back with his fists. However, now she was ripping open the metal floor of the cage, tearing through it like paper. Despite dad's best efforts, the witch's skull burst through and her razor-sharp teeth bit hard into Gabs' ankles. It's like a half-page ass, screamed the girl. Clinging onto the bottom of the lift with one bony paw, and swiping with the other, Fang, the cat skeleton, viciously clawed at Dad's hands. The beast was trying her best to stop him from attacking her mistress. But whatever Dad did, the witch skeleton would not be deterred anyway. She only tightened her jaws around Gabs's ankle even further, before opening them slightly to snarl, Mommy's going to eat you! Whew! Man, gotta remember this is fiction. Chapter 39. One Final Breath. I wonder who is taking one final breath. I hope it's the skeleton witch, but I don't know how you kill one of those. Okay, finally the lift jolted to a halt at ground level. Blinking into the daylight, Alfie saw the whole town had now crowded around the entrance to the mine. The mine. Winnie was at the front with Raj cowering just behind her. <laughs> PC Plank was staring at the scene, his mouth open wide in shock. You could have quite comfortably reversed 
uh, riot van into it. Oh, what? Oh, but his mouth was wide open. Okay. I got confused about a riot van. Um, oh, that's a longer conversation about um, appropriate policing and how um, thinking about people, for example, protesting as a riot makes police uh, treat people in ways that are not okay at all, especially people of color and black and indigenous people. That is your Black Lives Matter moment for the demon dentist. Uh, we can talk more about that later. Okay, dear Mrs. Morrissey had hobbled over especially the old lady still apparently on special offer. Oh, because someone stuck a, it like stuck stickers on her when she was in the grocery store. Even all the teachers from Alfie school had raced to see what on earth was going on at the deserted mine. Could there really be a real life witch on the loose? Mr. Snood observed intently as if the whole thing was a startlingly dramatic impro. Miss Nickergate Hare held tightly under the arm of the trembling headmaster in fear that in all the kerfuffle her bloomers might make another appearance. Behind them were the caretaker, the secretary, and a whole horde of pupils. Right at the back was texting boy. Well, he wasn't really taking any notice as he was busy doing what? Texting. If he looked up, he'd have more interesting things to text about. When they all saw the witch skeleton gnawing on Gabs's ankles, everyone gasped in horror, except Winnie. The fearless social worker bolted forward and slammed the huge metal lift door open. Save the kids, wheezed Dad. Winnie grabbed Alfie and Gabs to try to pull them to safety. The boy was dragged clear, but the witch skeleton had dug her teeth deep into the girl's leg now, and she wasn't letting go. Ah! screamed Gabs. The witch's cru witch skeleton's cruel teeth were now gnawing into her bone. Yikesies. Alfie put his arms around Winnie's waist and desperately helped her pull. Come on, everyone, implored Raj, as he flung aside his fear and rushed forward to add his weight to the effort to free Gabs. The news agent grabbed hold of Alfie and pulled as hard as he could. Then PC Plank sprang into action, then the normally timid Mr. Gray before all the teachers joined the human chain. Soon everyone was helping in this epic tug of war with the witch skeleton. Would this demon ever give up? Apart from texting boy, of course, who was still far too busy texting. Out of the corner of her eye, Winnie spotted him. For goodness sake, child, put your blasted phone away for a moment, she boomed. The gormless boy was so startled, he immediately put his mobile into his pocket and finally joined in with the pulling. Together, the entire town pulled and pulled and pulled. Heave, cried Winnie. Heave, heave. And with... One last collective effort, they just managed to pry Gabs free of the jaws of the witch's skull. The whole town landed on the ground in a giant heap. Squished at the bottom of that giant heap was poor Mrs. Morrissey. The witch skeleton, her bony cat now climbing onto her shoulders, had torn more fully through the caged floor of the lift. In a murderous fury, she faced the whole town, her white skull gleaming more than her teeth ever had, the bones of her ribbed cage throbbing with rage. I'm going to eat all of your children, boil them alive, and feast on their bones, she roared. The crowd all took a pace back in terror. Alfie's father was lying motionless on the lift floor. His face was pale and drawn. Now he could hardly breathe. He was in so much pain, it was a struggle just keeping his eyes open. Dad had known that if he went down the mine again, he couldn't expect to come out alive. He wheezed and took one final gasp of breath. He stretched up his hand, even that a tremendous effort for him now, and just managed to reach the lift's battered old control box. Winnie, he gasped, promise you'll look after my little pup for me. Dad, cried Alfie. I love you, son. With the very last of his strength, Dad ripped a wire clean out of the control box. The lift remained still for a moment, as if it were floating. Then abruptly it began to plummet down the shaft, taking the witch skeleton and the cat skeleton down with it. No, screamed the boy as his dad dropped out of view, but Alfie was helpless to stop it from happening. Winnie grabbed him and held him close. Alfie shut his eyes tightly and buried his head into her chest. It was the last time he would see his father. Whew, I was not expecting that. The witch was dead, but with dad gone, there was to be no celebration. The man was a hero. He had given his life to save not just his son and Gab's, but all the children of the town. Later that night, when a team of firemen finally made it down to the bottom of the mine shaft, 
to bring back up Dad's body, they found his sacrifice had not been in vain. The skeletons of the witch and her cat had been crushed to pieces. They were now little more than dust. The children of the town were safe from the tooth witch forever. But there was a terrible price to pay. One little boy was left an orphan. Whew. Man. Chapter 40. A Big Comfy Pillow. The sun shone on the day of Dad's funeral. It was a cold winter morning with frost underfoot. Just a few days before Christmas, the church was packed, standing room only. Outside the church, those who couldn't get in listened to the service via loudspeakers. The whole town had come to pay their respects to this great man. As the only family member, Alfie would have been alone in the front row of pews, but Winnie sat on one side of him and directed Raj to sit on the other. The news agent was first to burst into tears when he passed him a tissue. Being nearly 13, Alfie was determined to be strong, but soon his tears came too in huge crashing waves. The hymns and prayers gave little comfort, but Winnie putting her arm around him did. With his dad gone, the boy was sure he would never know happiness again. His face soaked with tears, he rested his head on the big comfy pillow that was Winnie. There was no need for words, really. All Alfie needed was to be held. For the past couple of weeks, Alfie had been staying at Winnie's flat. Yes, she wore clothes so multicolored it gave you a splitting headache just to look at them. Yes, she drove her moped like she was a one-woman motorcycle display team. Yes, she would always devour the last biscuit. But slowly and surely, Alfie was growing to love her. When the funeral service drew to a close, the church gradually began to empty. I know your father would have been very proud of you, Alfred, said Raj, as he stroked the boy's hair. Be strong, he added, before bursting into tears again and shuffling out of the church. During the funeral, Gabs had been sitting in the row of pews behind Alfie. As she left, she leaned forward and whispered in his ear, We're going to have one hell of a story to tell our children. <laughs> oh, my. The girlfriend-boyfriend thing has been sorted out. <laughs> Alfie smiled sadly and replied, They're going to love hearing all about their grandpa the hero. You bet, she said, before kissing him tenderly on the cheek and leaving. Soon Alfie and Winnie were the only two souls left in the church. The boy wasn't ready to go outside and face the crowd of townsfolk yet, just yet. Slowly, he reached his hand over to hers, and Winnie held it tight. The pair sat there in silence for a while, as they both sniffed away their tears. Eventually, Winnie spoke softly. How are your teeth? My what? asked Alfie. Your teeth. Oh, my teeth. Yes, that's what I said. Winnie had arranged for the boy to see a very kindly dentist in the next town. Mrs. Gleam had labored for hours and hours to give Alfie an absolutely perfect set of gnashers. They're great, thanks. He traced his tongue around his new shiny teeth. Alfred, as much as I wish I could undo the past, I can't. Now we must look to the future, said Winnie. And just before your father died, he asked me to promise him something. Now I know this not, might not be the right time, but... But? asked the boy. But at some point, continued Winnie, we need to talk about who is going to look after you. Oh, yes, replied Alfie. He was only staying with the social worker for a few weeks. With both his parents gone, he would have to be put up for adoption. Well, Winnie, we might as well talk about it so sooner rather than later. Good. Well, as your social worker, I've been talking to the adoption agency on your behalf. Yes, replied the boy. And there's quite a few different options. Lots of very nice couples out there who I know would be very lucky to have you. But her sentence trailed off. She took a deep breath and started once more. By now, her voice was cracked with emotion. Well, I have thought long and hard about what your dad asked me the day he died, and, and, was she about to say what he hoped and prayed she would? Well, began Winnie again, this wasn't any easier for her than for him. I was wondering if, the poor woman was really grasping for her words now, well, I was wondering if you might consider letting me adopt you. Alfie smiled, though a tear welled in his eyes. Sometimes you can feel happy and sad all at the same time. This was one of those times. Oh, Winnie, he exclaimed. I was hoping you were going to say that. Well, she stammered. Yes, 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 of course I would. I love you, Winnie. I love you too, young Alfred, exclaimed Winnie. Wow, they really had a very big change in their relationship. She wrapped her big arms around the boy and squeezed him tight. Alfie's face buried deep within her bulk. After a few moments came a voice. Sorry, you're squishing me. Oh, dear, said Winnie, as she relaxed her grip a little. A little. Is that better? Yes, replied Alfie, as he wrapped his arms around her, too. 
Much better, much, much better. No one could replace Dad, but Winnie made him feel safe and warm and, most importantly, loved. Oh, man, this book's ending is full of surprises. Oh, dear. I just got a bug in my mouth. Um, I'm not at the river anymore reading to you. I'm in the hammock in my backyard, and we have these bugs that are called box elder bugs, and they crawl everywhere, and they don't bite, so I don't mind them too much, but one was on the tip of my, on the edge of my glass, and so it went into my mouth, and I just spit it out. I didn't even scream. guess it's nothing compared to the uh, demon dentist. Epilogue. The next time Alfie visited the church, it was a much happier occasion. It was the following year, and much to everyone in the town's surprise, Winnie was getting married. But to whom? Despite, despite the fact that Alfie was now a teenager, his new mom had asked, her, had asked him to be her page boy. It was a role traditionally reserved for toddlers. Alfie had no idea what a page boy's duties were, or more importantly, what a page boy had to wear, so he had said yes. The little did he know that Winnie would dress her adopted son in a sailor-themed outfit for her wedding day. Alfie had on a tunic, shorts, knee-high socks, and a cap that Winnie insisted should be worn at a jaunty angle. Well, thought Alfie, it is her wedding day. However, the boy wasn't the most absurdly dressed person in the church that day. Oh, no. Surprisingly, the bride-to-be only made it to second place, despite wearing a dazzling canary yellow wedding dress with numerous bustles, layers, and a long, frilly train. Winnie looked like someone had dipped a hot air balloon in a giant bucket of custard, but beautiful in a hot air balloony, custardy type of way. Does sound quite nice. As Winnie walked up the aisle with her adopted son a few paces behind her carrying her train, the pair saw the groom beaming at the altar. The man stood waiting proudly for his beautiful bride to be munching on an out-of-date toffee. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Yes, the town's most eligible bachelor had found love again. Raj! The newsagent would have easily won a prize for being the most absurdly dressed person at a wedding. Ever. Winnie had knitted him, had kitted him out for their special day in a bright purple top hat and tails. Raj's outfit was what a comedy penguin might wear on a mid-price greeting card. <laughs> it was Alfie who'd brought them together. He would often ask his new mum to stop, stop off at Raj's little shop on the way home from school. Over all the crazy special offers and out-of-date chocolates, the unlikely pair had fallen in love. Both Winnie and Raj had lived alone for many years. Although neither had children, both dearly wanted to be parents, but assumed the opportunity had passed them by forever. Fortunately, they were very much mistaken. Now they were going to be part of a loving family, with Alfie at the center of it. Do you, Winnie... Oh my, she has a lot of names. Winnie, Prophecy, Mistel, Passion Fruit, Turquoise, Dave Smith? <laughs> Take this man to be your husband? Re re recited the vicar. He looked more than a little concerned that the list of Winnie's middle names would never end. I do, boomed the bride. And do you, Raj? The, vic name stop the vicar stopped. Surely the news agent had at least a surname. No, vicar, it's just Raj, chirped the groom. The vicar continued. Do you, Raj, take this woman to be your wife? Is this the bit where I say I do? Asked Raj. Winnie rolled her eyes. Yes, she barked. Raj looked at his beautiful bride with great love in, love in his eyes before replying, I do. And I now pronounce you husband and wife concluded the vicar. You may kiss. The unlikely pair of lovebirds kissed. When they finally parted, some of Winnie's mandarin-colored lipstick was smeared all over Raj's mouth. It looked like the newsagent had been sucking greedily on one of his own ice lollies. The newly married couple turned to face the congregation, who applauded wildly at this happy union. No one louder than Alfie. Now he could have all the free sweets in the world. Well, all the out-of-date ones, at least. Outside the church, the confetti was thrown and the photographs taken. All that was left was for Winnie to throw her wedding bouquet over her shoulder. Folklore said that wh whichever woman caught it would be next to be married. As Miss Hare, Mrs. Morrissey, and all the unmarried women of the town circled behind the bride, Winnie, Winnie flung her spray of flowers high into the air. Now this tradition always, I don't know, it's like a fun game of catch, but... I don't know, it always strikes me as very odd. Without, because not everyone got, wants to get married, you know? 
Um, and why just the girls? Hmm? Anyway, without her even attempting to catch it, the bouquet landed squarely on Gabs's head. The girl, who wasn't quite so little anymore, laughed and smiled over at her boyfriend. Alfie smiled back. Maybe one day we will, he thought. Oh, boy. All right, you, they're like 12. Maybe they're 13 now. Sheesh. Who wants to get married when you're 13? If you don't really have to. Okay. Soon it was time for the bride and groom to leave for the honeymoon, and Winnie straddled her moped. There was a just-married sign stuck on the back, and the small vehicle trailed cans on string, as is traditional for the wedding vehicle. Come on, husband, she cooed. Raj took a running leap, a running jump, and leaped on the back. Come on, Alfred, said Raj. Yes, come on, pup, called Winnie. Alfie hopped on between them before the three tutted away on the tiny moped, the engine struggling under their considerable combined weight. Hold on, said Winnie, as she threw the bike into a wheelie outside the church to delight the congregation before riding it again and whizzing off down the road. Sandwiched between Winnie and Raj and with the warm summer wind blowing on his face, Alfie couldn't help but smile. The day his father died, Alfie thought any chance he, he had of ever being happy again had died too. However, as they zoomed through the town and off into the distance, he closed his eyes. He wanted to catch this feeling, happiness. In his head, Alfie could hear Dad's voice. All you have to do is close your eyes and believe. And then the closing picture is of Winnie and Raj in, and Alfie all in their wedding clothes. And there are all kinds of cupcakes and cake slices and a teapot that's not broken. They all have a teacup and cookies, piles of cookies. Um, and they're all drinking delicately from their teacups. And that is the end. Whew, what a book. That ending really threw me. I thought I knew what was going to happen, and I was totally wrong. Oh, my. Well, I hope you enjoyed being terrified, or maybe you weren't as terrified as me, of The Demon Dentist. Um, I wonder who is listening to this. I think that Sam and Charlie probably are. Um, I know that Noah and um, Benjamin have heard this book before, so I don't know if they decided to hear it again. And of course, Elliot will be listening probably more times than anyone else. So um, this one's kind of a scary one. So if you skipped it, well, you wouldn't be listening to this, I suppose. But I won't make any more guesses about who is or who isn't. Um, the next book will be not nearly as scary. I promise you that. All right. See you soon. Bye.